Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. And this is entitled Essentials in Oncologic Imaging, What Radiologists Need to Know About Renal Carcinoma. And I gave this talk in part at the ECR, the European College of Radiology, as part of the Oncology Seminar about a week ago, and I thought I'd share it with you. So let's get started. When you look at imaging renal tumors, there are many ways of doing it, and each technique has certain advantages, whether it be CT, MR, ultrasound, angiography, or even PET-CT. Uh, what I'll do in this talk, of course, is focus on CT, its advantages, and its role in terms of renal imaging. I would say most of us do use CT as the routine technique for looking at the kidneys, particularly suspected masses and hematuria, and reserve MR in situations where the patient, for example, can't get IV contrast material, they might be allergic, or in cases where there is some confusion. But we'll focus on CT. And what I'll also do is I'll focus on renal cell carcinoma and transitional cell carcinoma. Just in the interest of time, I can't cover everything, so I'll focus on these two and probably cover the other three at some other point. So let's look at renal cell carcinoma and transitional cell carcinoma. Some of the big facts. 58,240 Americans will be diagnosed with renal cancer in 2010, and an estimated 13,040 will die from renal carcinoma in 2010. Worldwide, the deaths are over 100,000 annually, so it's a very important cancer. Over 40,000 of these cases and over 12,000 of the deaths are due to renal cell carcinoma. Typically, the patients are over age 55, and it occurs more frequently in men. 92% of cases are clear cell renal cell carcinoma, which is typically vascular, and around 8% of cases are papillary renal cell carcinoma. Just some of the risk factors. It's more common in men, about 1.6 to 1, smoking, obesity, high blood pressure, patients on long-term dialysis, patients with hereditary conditions like von Hippel-Lindau, uh, exposure to certain chemicals or medications, for example, phenacetine-containing analgesics, uh, would increase the risks of renal cell carcinoma. The one we, of course, know is von Hippel-Lindau. They get pancreatic cystic lesions, cystadenomas, renal cysts, but also renal cell carcinoma. But fortunately, von Hippel-Lindau was fairly rare, and I'm not going to really focus on syndromic renal cell carcinoma. I'm going to speak more about the sporadic cases that we typically see. Now, we do know about two-thirds of renal cancers do present as incidental findings, but other patients present with either hematuria, and we do many patients that hematuria workup, we all do, from the ER or from urologist offices, flank pain, palpable mass, weight loss, fever, hypercalcemia. So hematuria often is the earliest presentation. The other presentations can be with tumors being larger or tumor spreading, but again, it's very variable. In terms of how we manage patients, obviously surgery is where you'd like to be. That's the only real way of curing patients. And of course, the earlier we detect disease, the earlier we can operate. In terms of surgery, we talk about classic nephrectomy, but now more and more we're seeing partial nephrectomies, particularly for tumors under four centimeters. When done correctly in the right patient, partial nephrectomy has the same five-year survival as classic nephrectomy. And since we are picking this up in younger patients and patients are living longer, we like to preserve as much kidney as possible. Other patients, particularly smaller lesions, percutaneous therapy like RF ablation is common. Patients with tumor spread, chemotherapy, immunotherapy, or vaccine therapy are things we can talk about, but we're not going to talk about in this talk. Now, when you look at CT imaging for the radiologist, there are several challenges. One, of course, is optimizing lesion detection. 
You can't describe something, you can't do something about it till you first find it. Second is classification. I'll show you some numbers in a moment, but very common to see renal masses. In fact, most renal masses we see are benign. They're typically cysts. So we need to make certain we can separate what needs to be followed or worked up versus the incidental simple cyst. Once we have information, we need to optimize its presentation to give it to the referring physician in a way that maximizes patient management. Just a couple articles. There's a nice article by Dyer made the point that most renal masses are discovered serendipitously. As the size of these newly discovered lesions decreases, the proportion of benign lesions increases. He makes the point also that while great strides have been made in lesion detection, characterization has lagged far behind. So again, we pick up a lot of lesions, but we may be doing more harm than good in select patients. And even going back a number of years, Frank made the point that in their series of 2770 surgical resections of solid renal masses, one quarter of the mass is smaller than 3CM or in fact benign. And that's when we were picking up the small masses we see now we weren't finding. There was a recent article in the Journal of American College of Radiology that made the point about incidental uh, renal masses. That in general large, which means over 3CM solid masses are likely malignant. Similarly, the smaller a solid mass, the more likely it is benign. In addition, a small renal cell carcinoma is more likely to be low-grade and indolent behaving than a larger one. Therefore, they suggested if you picked up a solid mass under a sonometer, you can observe the patient. And that's probably very good logic because it would be a low-grade tumor, and if you follow it, you could do something about it if it continues to grow. And so their recommendation is CT or MR at 3 to 6 months, 12 months, and then yearly. The interval of observation may be varied depending on how the mass is behaving. Observation may be considered for solid mass of any size in a patient with limited life expectancy or comorbidities that increase the risk of treatment, particularly when the mass is small. And what that means in plain English is that if you have an 85-year-old with a one centimeter mass, what are you doing? Just follow it. The patient's chance of dying from renal cell carcinoma, if indeed it was a renal cell carcinoma, is small, and the risk of surgery may be much higher than the risk of doing nothing. Now, trying to manage how we look at renal masses, of course, so much in CT depends on protocols, and the kidney is no different. How we inject the contrast, rate and volume, how we scan the patient, what's the collimation, the pitch, what phases do we acquire? Again, more phases are better, but in an era when we're trying to minimize dose, less phases are better, but, and we need the, the right number of phases to make the right diagnosis. So the important thing is get the right diagnosis. To get one less phase and then not get the answer is really not where you want to be. And then we'll also talk about some of the post-processing techniques. There was a good article we published a few months back talking about CT pathology, looking at some of the pitfalls and protocols, and making the point that the goal of refining interpretive performance is really what we want to do, looking at some of the pitfalls, looking at some of the ways to optimize doing CT, and particularly looking at ways of avoiding pitfalls. So several points. One is, if we look at the phases, what do we do non-contrast CT for? Well, we can pick up stones, but I can pick up stones on the early arterial phase imaging, so that's not a good reason. The reason we, we do a non-contrast typically is to get a marker of how a lesion looks. So, for example, this article by Johnish makes the point that 
If you have a homogeneous renal mass with an attenuation of over 70 Hounsfield units on a non-contrast scan, there's a 99.9% .9 chance it's a high-density renal cyst. And so if you look at this case, high-density renal cyst, you don't even need to give IV contrast material. If you gave IV contrast material, the lesion would not enhance. Now imagine this case if you only had an IV scan, let's say, 60 or 70 seconds out, you would think you had a solid mass that was hypovascular, you would think about a papillary renal cell carcinoma. So non-contrast scans help you avoid that error. Now what about giving contrast? The kidneys will look different depending when we scan them and our accuracy in lesion detection and characterization will also vary very similarly. And we talk about three phases and more important is the time, 30 seconds, 60 seconds and let's say four minutes. Now when I talk about phases I also make the point that we're giving about four to five cc's per second injection of 100 to 120 cc's of contrast material. If you don't inject quickly these rules will not work so we're assuming you're injecting correctly and then the cortical medullary phase which is the phase that's typically around 30 seconds shows the cortex to be maximally enhanced and the medulla to be of low attenuation. So the difference of cortical medullary interface is in the range of a 90 to 100 Hounsfield units. This is the best phase to me for detection of anything arterial or anything vascular. So things that define changes in perfusion, tumor detection, looking at arterial mapping, looking at neovascularity, preoperative planning based on the vascular map for partial nephrectomy, these are the things that really work well with early phase imaging. And with early phase imaging, here's just a nice example of volume rendering and MIP, good detail of the cortical measuring interface, nice vascular mapping, and so if you have the next patient who has a hypervascular renal cell carcinoma, you see the neovascularity, you see the AV shunting, this is an aggressive tumor, this patient would not benefit from a partial nephrectomy. Uh, we've shown in articles that neovascularity can judge the aggressiveness of tumors. Here you see lots of AV shunting, a very classic example of a clear cell renal cell carcinoma. Now there's a range of vascularity. Here's another patient. Impressive vascularity, large mass, AV shunting, neovascularity, nicely shown on both volume rendering and MIP projections. And here's one more clear cell renal cell carcinoma. You can see very nicely the neovascularity, the necrosis, very impressive type images. Now in saying that, let me give you this lecture just like I did it in uh, Vienna. And what they asked me to do there is also to put a few quiz questions in. So let me give you this quiz question and raise your hand, okay, with the correct answer. What's the most likely pathology for this renal mass? Is it a transitional cell, lymphoma, papillary renal cell, clear cell, or you can't make that decision? Well, the answer is it's a clear cell renal cell carcinoma. Why? Because it's very vascular, this AV shunting. If it was a papillary, it would not be that vascular. Lymphoma would not be that vascular. Either with transitional cell, this is a classic clear cell renal cell carcinoma. There's been several articles that have made this point. This article by Hertz a number of years ago made the point that uh, papillary renal cells are typically hypovascular while clear cells are hypovascular. So you can use characteristics of the patient's lesion to determine what type of lesion it is. Another article by Rupert Colery makes the point. 
clear cell, mean attenuation, 152, papillary, 61. That's a gap of about 90. And in fact, the authors uh, said that when you use that attenuation value in the cortical medullary phase, the accuracy was 95.7%, sensitivity 98.3%, and specificity 92% when using 100 Hounsfield units as the cutoff value. Over 100, clear cell, under 100, it's going to be papillary. Very nice example. And of course, the other important thing about the neovascularity, this article by Wang made the point that we're looking at angiogenesis and some of the new chemotherapies which take advantage of this are best done in patients who have very vascular tumors. So the neovascularity we're looking at is really angiogenesis. It's a correlation between enhancement parameters and microvessel density of renal cell carcinoma. And Zhang also made the point that certain imaging features and degree of enhancement may be helpful in differentiating subtypes of renal cortical tumors and they had the same results as the other articles I showed you. 90% of clear cell, a hypervascular, and demonstrated heterogeneous enhancement pattern with some enhancing areas and several areas of necrotic change, while 75% of papillaries are hypovascular, and 90% of all papillaries demonstrated a homogeneous or peripheral enhancement pattern. So you can see we're not going to be 100%, but in the 90% range, you're going to be very specific as to tumor type. And just a couple more examples. So I'll reinforce, papillary, small, low-grade, low-stage, hypovascular, can be multifocal and bilateral, usually it's a single lesion, much better prognosis than renal cell carcinomas, and is really ideal for nephron-sparing surgery. And here's just a nice example in the non-contrast, you may not see it, may not bulge the contour, there it is, arterial phase, there it is on 3D mapping, lower pole right kidney medially, it's somewhat vascular, but it's not hypervascular. And follow it through these three images till you see it on the late phase imaging. Well-defined. Now, this case also makes a point about a pitfall. One of the things I've noticed at times is if you're not very careful, you look at the last set of images and the lesion is solid, well-defined, and you look at it, it almost looks benign. It's a solid mass if you measure it, so you have to be very careful. Sometimes the things look very smooth and papillary... Uh, tumors do look smooth, but they're solid. That's not a cyst. A couple other examples. Another case, non-contrast, solid mass. Here it is on the arterial phase. You very nicely can see some of the neovascularity on the axial images, but look how much nicer it shows on the 3D mapping. Really nice visualization, nice AV shunting, and let's put those images side by side. You also can see, here's one more example, marked neovascularity in the tumor, up the renal vein, up the IVC, into the patient's right atrium. A very nice example showing you neovascularity, clear cell tumor, and this is clearly tumor thrombus growing up the renal vein, up the IVC, and into the heart. Very nice example showing you that. And here's just a few targeted images uh, also showing you at the patient's uh, atrial level as well. Now, there's no doubt we can miss renal masses. We've spoken about this in several other lectures before. We talk about uh, the wrong phase of acquisition, for example. We talk about poor display, and we talk about poor post-processing techniques. So let me cover a couple of those with you real briefly. In terms of the wrong phase, we know there is no one best phase, 
but you need to be careful if you only had early phase imaging, cortical medullary phase, and you have a small tumor that doesn't distort the renal outline. Look at that left kidney. Boy, it's hard to see anything, even with a circle around it. And sometimes the coronals save you, but they don't really save you in this case. And sometimes the 3Ds save you, but they're not saving you here. But what saves you in this case is excretory phase imaging. There's the lesion. So a rule is, when you're evaluating a patient and you're doing early phase imaging, cortical medullary phase imaging, which I love, you must also do excretory phase imaging. Excretory phase imaging is always mandatory, both for detecting transitional cell carcinomas, but also for small hypervascular renal cell carcinomas. And if you think that doesn't happen, look at this case again, lower pole left kidney. There it is. Very, very obvious lesion that you would have missed. Or this case I had just literally two days before the meeting. Lower pole right kidney, very subtle, no distortion of the renal outline. Here's a few more images. Boy, maybe there's some textural change there. But look at it on delayed phase imaging. You would have missed the three centimeter renal cell carcinoma. So again, you could look really dumb and really do a bad job of doing uh, CT unless you're very careful. And just a very nice example showing you that lesion. Now we also talk about multiple display formats. We talk about the importance of display in preparing the cases for the urologist or uh, for surgical planning, but it's not just that, it's also for lesion detection. Here's a great example of a case which looks like the right kidney, upper pole, which was interpreted as, but it's really an upper pole mass. It's just projected off the top of the kidney. Very obvious in a coronal display. You're not gonna make that mistake, but boy, Axially, it can be really problematic. So how do we optimize things? What's our protocol? Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we take a break and we'll come back and start here. Thanks very much.